اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ان دا نیم آف اللہ دا موسٹ گریشیس ایور میسفو پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپون یو اول اٹ از ونسڈے دا ٹوئنٹی ایٹ فیبری ٹوئنٹی ٹوئنٹی فور یو آر جوائنٹ ہیئر ان دا وائس And on you also, yes, it's a pleasure always to be present with you and join you in this uh, Voice of Islam studio. Of course, it's, uh, you know, it's a great blessing to be here exactly. and uh, to, you know, give the, give the view of Islam, that Islam yeah. is a true living religion and it un- inculcates many great teachings that are still... You know, uh, they abide by today's yeah. day and age. If, if it's abide by today's day yes. and age, it could result to peace and harmony throughout the world. Of course. 100%. Of course. So, as always, uh, dear listener, we have a very interesting lineup uh, of, uh, you know, different topics for you guys as well that we'll be discussing later on. And we do have some guests that we will be interviewing um, for, you know, our first segment of the morning. We'll be discussing the 2024 France Olympics and the hijab ban for French athletes. And for the second segment, we'll be discussing negotiations to end the Gaza war have not progressed as Rafa prepares for an Israeli attack. And as always, uh, just before we do get into those topics, we discuss uh, the news and the weather. So what is going on around the world or even in our country that is um, taking place? Any Anything interesting that's caught your eye in the news lately? I think everyone, of course, uh, will be <coughs> well should be aware of the... Israel attacks that are ongoing on yes. uh, Gaza. Yes. We are obviously discussing one of um in one of our segments also. Yes. Um regarding that um in many news outlets and all over social media everyone must be aware that there an Air Force member hmm. of United States yes has uh, set himself uh, a light on fire in protest of the ongoing attacks. So He filmed himself, hmm. streamed himself, um, walking to the Israel embassy. So in front okay. of the Israel embassy in USA, um, he was filming himself and he walked at the front gate, put uh, oil on him, fuel on him, and set himself on fire hmm. in protest of the Gaza attacks. And his last words were that I will not be complicit in this genocide. And while he was on fire... He, it's a very disturbing video, of yeah. course. Um, it's shared all over social media. Um, and while he was on fire, he was uh, sh- he, his last words that he hmm. came out of his mouth were free Palestine. That's what he said. And he's, I mean, it's a, it's he's, a very strong he's an message. He's Air Force member. Right? It's a very strong message. But very strong message. Obviously, you know, we, we don't condone uh, these methods. Of course. Uh, it's not the right way to go. There yeah. are other ways of, you know, properly raising exactly. awareness. Um And uh, and he later he later he later did die in hospital mm. because he didn't he did not survive um, the protest that he did. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very strong message. It just shows the 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 sentiments of the people mm. that are in the hearts and the minds of the people. Yes. Um, that are not being listened to. Even the soldiers, Indeed. the U.S. soldiers, who are um, some say are in Israel at the moment, helping. Yes. Um, the Israelis to commit these atrocities on the Palestinians even they themselves are coming out and saying look this is not right hmm. it's just against humanity isn't it yes 
so, so that's one of the news that's in um was in, in in accordance with that what's happening is that um popular support for israel in the u.s who help it fight until total victory. This is inverted commas, until total victory yeah. over Hamas. And this is what uh, the Prime Minister said, Benjamin Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. And in another statement, he said that he cited polls showing that more than 80% of Americans support Israel during the conflict in Gaza. So, That's what the president said. Though. Yes. Yeah, But I think the protests and the public mm. and the social media it tells a different story. Yes. <laughs> to I, what I mean, there, there have been, you know, cases where uh, Israel has, um, you know, given facts and figures and they yeah. have been disproven. Yeah, exactly. So and, and the thing is, like, you know, you just mentioned the facts that they um, showcased, but yes. they, were, they, they were proven wrong. It just shows that the injustice that goes around yes, in the indeed. media. And even indeed. with this uh, uh, US uh, mm. airspace soldier, mm. mem- member of the US airspace, um, if any news outlet did not mention the reason hmm. any mainstream news outlet i should yes. say did not mention the reason why he committed this hmm. protest okay and only later on when on social media all the news outlets were were asked hmm. and were accused of not displaying the right information yes. then they changed their headings to explain why he actually committed this Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So it just it, it just goes to show that <coughs> the injustice the, that's going on. The in lens them. that they will go exactly. to, you know, try and cover up what is happening. Exactly. Exactly. Um but you know, it, in this day and age it is, you know, as you mentioned, social media is such a p- powerful thing. Exactly. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter, even TikTok. Mm. All the truth is just out there. I was actually listening to LBC on the way here yes. and um they were discussing that how um, Gen Z, as they like to call yes. it, the new generation, they're not, um, they're only getting their news from social media platforms, yes. which is worrying for them. I'm not sure why. Um, that's what they were saying. It's worrying that they're getting I mean, their news from social media. Of course, there must be, because of the, they're worried because of the deep fake technology that's mm, out there. Yes. So they're worried that they might be getting the wrong information. But when, what, what other choice do they have? Yes. When they see the mainstream media mm. are being disproven exactly. so many times, exactly. who can they rely on? Exactly. And, you know, um, there's a good side to it as well. There's many, you know, social media influencers yeah. whose sole focus is to deliver the news. Yeah. They literally have like yeah. news outlets. Yeah, they yeah, started yeah. their own news. They, yeah. It's like a podcast type thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they literally just deliver mm. the world news. It just shows because they can't trust anything else. Ex- exactly. So they do exactly. their own research. They do their own research yeah. and they, they try to present the facts in the best possible way. Yeah. So, I think that's the best way, isn't it? Yeah. You do your own research, you come up with a, uh, your own conclusion at the end. Yes. You can't just listen to anyone and just yes. believe what they say, right? You have to do your own research. Yes, definitely. And <clears throat> in one of the Excuse me. In one of the previous topics that we were discussing in one of the past few weeks was uh, in regards to Gaza and as well and the journalists that are there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that, forgive me if I'm wrong, if I'm quoting this wrong, but there's, this was like, this conflict, there's been the most um, fatalities of journalists. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you know, I'm not. Exact- and it's against the international exactly. law. Exactly. It's a war crime. Exactly. To target We're not exactly journalists. saying that they are targeting them, but yeah. you know that is what it seems like. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Hundred percent. Um. But yeah. The, uh, also, uh, in regards to the Israel-Hamas war, Biden hopes for ceasefire by the end of a uh, weekend. Mm-hmm. But uh, Hamas told Sky News that it is wishful thinking. This is reported by Sky News uh, on. Tuesday, twenty seventh of February, so yesterday. Yeah. So you know, uh, let's hope maybe you know the president 
Biden is uh, on the right yeah. track, and hopefully by the hopefully by today, even you know it just happens. Yeah, and but you, you um, know, he, you know, as he was speaking, um, he was, he has faced a lot of outcry. Yes. Um, while discussing the Gaza ceasefire, because you know they are being starved over there, right? Yes. And as he was discussing the ceasefire. Mm. He was having. He had an ice cream in his hand. He was eating an ice cream. Mm. <laughs> so there's a lot of outcry on social media, as in, look, you're, they're being starved over there, and you are. I mean, there's many, many things that, that you yeah. can question yeah. about the president, you know. <laughs> uh, but let's, but yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, right it's now. a long topic. Um, so the BBC News reports that boys aged 11 and 12 have been arrested after animals killed at college. Hmm. Uh, they've been arrested on suspicion of uh, animal cruelty and burglary after police received reports of several animals had been killed in a college in West London. Yeah. Um, several. Uh, several, apparently, yeah. It's, they, they're still investigating, but yeah. I, I didn't even know that you, uh, an 11 or 12-year-old could mm. get arrested. Uh, well, they can. They I can. think they I can. Think they they can go to like, juvenile yeah. Yeah. detention, but um, they don't really serve a sentence yeah. like that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what those kids were thinking, but um, or if it's even true, it's it's a bit of a strange one. Uh, Another um, story is that there's been, you know, there's a trampoline park called Flip Out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Remember when we were in uh, our university in Jamia? We did a couple of trips there. We did do a couple of trips over there. It's just many different trampolines and like foam pits and stuff. So um, the owners have been fined after 11 people broke their backs at a flip-out in Chester. Mm. I think that's the one, that's the one, one we, we went, went to, to yeah. as well. Okay. Uh, they've added a new thing called a, a tower jump where they drop from more than 17 feet into a foam pit. Mm. And more than 11 people have broken their backs. And they've been fined for that? Yes. And how much is the and fine? Been f- um, I, I'm not exactly sure, but they have been fined and ordered to do community service. Mm. Uh, in regards to this, and you know, uh, the fine uh, was uh, six and a half thousand pounds um, for one employee and six thousand three hundred. Mm. Um, yeah, for the it's other just, one. Yeah, just have to be. <coughs> There's a precaution, isn't it? Mm. They have to be. They have to. Additionally, test their they rights. were they were paid asked to pay fifty thousand pound and ten thousand pound costs to go towards two hundred fifty thousand pound. Persecution, uh, prosecution costs and counsel investigation. Mm. I mean, they are a big chain. Um, yeah, there's many, that, many yeah. different flip-out centres. Yeah. Across the UK, I think. Across the UK, yeah. So you just, you just need to be careful, I guess. Another news, there's um, new funding to help protect MPs from threats as uh, MPs have been facing a lot of threats hmm. nowadays to their safety. Um, and now they will get extra security as part of a 31 million package to help protect them help protect the UK's democratic process from disruption. So that's what the government has uh, recently announced. Um, so the gov- so this funding will also be used for uh, additional police patrols in response to increased community hmm. tensions. Be- and also I was listening to while uh, on my way here, they were mentioning that, you know, there's ongoing protests for uh, Palestine yes. in central London. Yes. So now um, they're coming up with a new plan where they will have to inform the police six days in advance okay. of the protest. Okay. That w- that w- that would be taking mm. place. So it's just to make sure that um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not too sure what the plans for this. There's not like so. There's not too many like disruptions. Yeah, and, too and many 
Because you know some. I believe they're peaceful protests yeah. anyway. But you never. But, but you, never you know, know there are, what, there, there, there's, there's always, a few you know, certain yeah. individuals. Yeah. <clears throat> that don't behave in the way yeah. that they should. Or you know they they might be uh, anti-protesters as well yeah. over there, and they might just you know just for and, for the safety of everyone. Yeah. I think that's why they're thinking to take this decision. Mm. <coughs> Anything else uh, that's you know in caught your eye in the news this in week? Other news: If we do go through the papers, um, the Daily Mail um, headline reads "Indefensible." Hmm. So. Uh, According to the Daily Mail, it uh, covers the death of a 45-year-old Thomas Kingston, who was the husband of Lady Gabriella Kingston and the son-in-law of Prince and Princess uh, Michelle of Kent. In the second of a pair of royal headlines, the paper says, Prince William mysteriously missed a memorial service for his late godfather, King Constantine of Greece. So that's one of the headlines. Um, Not too sure about this headline I do not have a lot of information hmm. regarding it um, in other news uh, you know as uh, the ongoing war in Palestine yes or the ongoing attacks in Palestine yes and the north of especially the north of Gaza is starving yes. the whole of Gaza yes. is starving but the north of Gaza hmm. is especially starving so Jordan the um, king Jordan's king Abdullah Yes. Um, has said that we must double the aid that's going into Gaza. And now they are even dropping aid from planes okay. with parachute. Mm. So there's, there, there's um, crazy scenes that are coming out on social media where people are like thousands of people yeah. are running to the sea because they see mm. aid being dropped from airplanes in uh, the help for these people that are in Palestine that are starving. Mm. But the aid, some of it's dropped on land, some of it's dropped in the sea. Yeah. So thousands of people are just are just swimming so they can get their aid back onto the dry land. Hmm. It just shows the situation that the world is in right now, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, even though I, I'm not too sure why the borders are still closed for hmm. the aid trucks to come in, hmm. even even when the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, yeah. has ordered that aid must go in. Hmm. And since then, I don't know. Not, I don't even think one truck has gone in if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. they have to resort to aid coming from space, mm. from the planes. Mm. So it's just the world. It just, you know, if we look at the <coughs> narration of the Holy Prophet, where he mentions that if you do not show mercy, you will not be you shown will mercy. Not be shown mercy, yes. And we see that's what's happening right now. Mm. No, I don't know where the mercy has gone for mm. these people in Palestine, why, why all the world leaders are not showing mercy for them. But at the end of the day, <coughs> excuse me, we're... We need to realize that we are leaving this world, yes. especially the Muslim nations who believe in the life in the hereafter. And uh, especially we should do something for the people that are in need. Definitely, definitely. Um, so dear listeners, we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far. We will be taking a very short break and getting into our first topic of the morning and discussing the hijab ban for French athletes in the upcoming 2024 France Olympics. And if you do have any questions or would like to give any feedback, speak to us about anything, do call us in because it is a live show at 02086 or you can tweet us at The Voice of Islam. So don't go anywhere and please join us after a very short break.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim In the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful Welcome back to the Breakfast Show dear listener We will now be getting straight into our first segment of the morning where we will be discussing that France is hosting its Olympics in a hundred years and have um, imposed a hijab ban on its Muslim athletes restricting their ability to express themselves and their religion whereas in countries such as Iran a woman can be imprisoned if they are you know seen outside without her hijab she can be imprisoned these are two extremities we will be discussing this topic um, you know in, in depth and we will have an interview a guest um, that we will be speaking to in regards to this that we will be interviewing a bit later on so the ban raises concern about infringement on individuals rights to practice their cultural and religious briefs freely critics argue that the ban perpetuates gender inequality by imposing restrictions on what female athletes can wear, potentially limiting their participation in sports. Some athletes may feel their autonomy is compromised as they are forced to conform to external dress codes rather than being able to choose attire that aligns with their personal preference and religious beliefs. Mm. The ban may strain relation between participants, uh, participating countries, particularly those where the hijab is culturally significant, leading to diplomatic tensions. The ban could limit representation of Muslim athletes in the Olympics, thereby reducing diversity and inclusivity in the Games. For athletes accustomed to wearing a hijab during competitions, adapting to new attire may affect their performance and comfort levels, potentially hindering their ability to compete at their best. The ban may provoke public debate and scrutiny regarding religious expression in sports, sparking discussions on the intersection of culture, religion and athletics. So, you know, it is a very interesting uh, topic that we are discussing here right now because the hijab is a fundamental, you know, part of Islam that uh, women have to adhere to. And the reasons for that, are, you know, it's very it's very simple as well. the, The reasons for that as well that, you know, as we see in today's day and age mm. where nobody you know especially you see on social media what's going on even in the news and everything the clothing that you know people are wearing especially women yeah. right is getting less and less yeah. and it, that's being promoted mm. as you know your your freedom yeah. your you know it's your right it's your, my body my right mm. your and expression the, of freedom the thing is i find it i find it like um, it's a bit of an uh, Hypocrisy, isn't it, that yes. France has banned a uh, hijab yes. when, first of all, with the West declares itself to be uh, freedom of speech and freedom of yes. expression, yes. and on the other hand, you see, you know, especially them banning the, hijab, which especially is especially what's happening right now in the world as well. That you know, uh, the gender inclusivity, mm-hmm. everything that's happening, you know, yeah. the. Uh, intersex, um, you know, marriages, yeah. all of that is getting, you know, approved yeah, on, exactly. uh, on a daily basis exactly. in different countries, right? It, there's many different inclusion. Everyone is getting their rights, mm-hmm. you know, in one sense that that is, you know, good, good for them, whatever yeah, exactly. they want to do. And they say but it's the, the, freedom of it's, expression. It is, yeah, it's freedom You're allowed of, to be what you want yes, to be, You f- yes. whatever you feel like, that's what you are. But, um, you know, when we, we talk about boundaries, right? Yeah. When one person has a boundary... And when you step over their boundary, you you you're not doing justice to them, exactly. right? Exactly. 
So if you want to say because those people that's their boundary, right? They they want to if someone wants to identify as something, yeah. right? That's their boundary. That's what they, they wanna, have the right. Yeah, they have the right that. to yeah. say that. But when so, it comes to Islam and hijab, exactly, then exactly. where's that right gone? Exactly, and you know, there's it's not the majority of uh, it's Muslim women around the world that wear the hijab. It's not like you know. There's different types of hijabs where one that completely covers yeah, your face. Yeah. You can only see your eyes or anything like mm-hmm. that. If they, the mm. reason if they're using that is you know it's maybe mm. a security risk, mm. right? Majority of women they don't even you know tend to wear that hijab. Exactly. It's just a head covering and your face is covered uh, like around the edges yeah. as well. And right? and the thing is they tend to say that is uh, they are being forced to wear the hijab. They're being oppressed. No, of course not. It's, of course it's, not. If you Nobody think that, has put a gun exactly. to any Muslim woman around the world saying that you must do this. Exactly. If they if they feel that that's what they uh, feel like, they should exactly. go and approach them and ask exactly. them themselves. And most of them, I, I believe 100% of them, exactly. will say that, no, it's because they have this love, this belief for God, yes, and yes. they do it for God Almighty. Of course. It's nothing that they are saying, they, they are being oppressed. Of course. It's nothing like that. You know, there was there was a video I was watching, uh, but Islam says that a veil, um, a hijab, is to safeguard women from harm. Yes. Right? It's for their protection. And you know, this, I, I truly realized this. Um, there, I was watching this video on social media where I saw this video yes. uh, of a social experiment, right? Yes. There was this woman uh, walking in New York, I believe it's a very, New York, as we all know, is very busy and there's a lot of yes. people going around. Um, and so she was walking in her normal clothes without any hijab, without any um, covering, right? Yes. As as a normal Western woman would wear and as she was walking along the street the, the, I think the street was maybe 100, 100 meters, meters mm. or, or, or maybe 200 meters um, so it was a busy street with yes. a lot of shops as she was walking after a few steps yes. you could hear men calling out to her mm. um, saying uh, very abusive things yes. to her yes. calling her, uh, trying to get her attention mm. So there was multiple incidents while yes. she walked down this 200 meter street yes. where I think around, it, it was even a figure, there was, like mm. a, there was like a number in the corner of the screen, how many yes. times she was called out. Mm. And I think it reached around 50, 60, mm. just, just down this busy street, right? Yeah. And then she wore, the, the, the other part of that um, video was that she wore a hijab, yes. she was covered modestly. And nobody battered her. And eye. literally no one, no one said anything. No one yeah. would even look at her. Exactly. No one even... There, there was not even one person that called out to her. Exactly. People were actually just moving out her mm. way to protect her. Mm. So you know these things that the Quran mentions and the, and, and and God has laid out for us yes. is for our own protection. I mean, even if you even in our country, right? Even mm. in the Western culture, you go back a few decades or say exactly. say a century ago. Exactly. Everyone dressed so modestly, modestly. from head to toe. Exactly. It was covered, and if if someone did show, you know, like yeah, a bit yeah, of skin, exactly. It was it was frowned upon. Exactly. There, there was another social like you just mentioned. There was another social media um, post that I saw, right, where women. From I think go back 1950s, 19, yeah. 1960s, yeah. right? Yeah. And they showed them a picture of a woman yes. wearing a very uh, you know, explicit, a long dress. Yeah. Uh, no, oh, explicit, okay, explicit okay, okay, dress, okay. Yes. yeah, which is very, very common now. Yes, very common yes. now. So it's, it's it's seen as normal now. Yes. So back in the day, around 1960s, they mm. asked these, these they interviewed exactly. these women on the streets, exactly. and they were like, "What do you think about wearing this?" Mm. And there was there were passing comments like you would never see me in a dress mm. like this. Mm. I will die, but I won't wear a dress yeah. like this. Yeah. That's not a wo- that's not very womanly. Yes. So that's what their thought process it's, was at that the time. The mentality exactly. has changed, right? The mentality has changed. Yeah. 
We do have online with us our guest of the morning that we will be speaking to right now. We have Miss, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly, uh, Yasmin Haroon, um, who is a multi-award winning trailblazer, breaking barriers and challenging stereotypes. Yasmin is the chair and the founder of Muslima Sports Association, a charity aimed at engaging more Muslim women and girls in sports and physical activities. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to have you on. I hope I pronounced your name properly. Yes, yeah, you did. Uh, just for our listeners out there, um, could you could you tell us what are the benefits of sports? Yeah, I mean, sports bring so many benefits yeah. that apply to everyday life. Firstly, your physical health, um, you're improving it. Um, as, an, as a Muslim person, uh, you should be improving your health and keeping your health in fit shape to do your namaz, to do your prayers. And that's, you know, that's an order. Um, but also your mental health as well. Um, if your mental health is in a good place, that has an effect on your surroundings, such as your family, your friends, your work. But you also gain other skills as well, such as leadership skills, organization skills, team building skills, communication skills. And this is applied to everyday life, whether you're working, whether you're in the house. Um, you know, everything has those elements and sports can bring it all together for you. So not only are you getting the physical benefits, but you also have the mental health benefits um, that apply to all parts of your life. Yes, definitely. And why would you say that it's important to help women who wear a hijab to pursue sports as well? For women who wear a hijab, I mean, sports is not an other thing to do. It should be part of everyday life and it should be ingrained in everyday life. So for men, we see them going out on a specific day to play football. They have their time together or badminton or whatever sport they're into. For women, it's a lot harder because we have so many other responsibilities, such as the family, um, such as work. And trying to balance all of that can take a toll on your health as well. So it's really important to take just time away from all of that and concentrate on yourself. And just having that time, one or two hours, um, to concentrate on your health and rebuilding from the inside so that you, you are mentally prepared and physically prepared for all the other responsibilities that you have. So sports is really important and it has so many other benefits, um, you know, positive benefits that affect all parts of your life as well. Definitely. And, um, you know, in light of the current circumstances, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the hijab ban in the upcoming Olympics and what is your view about this? To be honest, it's, it's, it seems really ridiculous that we're talk, still talking about the hijab and sports and why, and, and the band because everything else has seemed to have moved on. Yes. The hijab is still a talking point. Yes. And the hijab doesn't contravene anything. It doesn't, it's not a safety hazard. There's so many sports hijab now um, that is very fitting to the person. Um, so there's no safety issue. Yet we're still talking about... Um, people wearing the hijab and doing sports especially in the Olympics there's other people making decisions on our behalf without understanding what our needs are and what yes. our religious needs are yes. and I just think it's really ridiculous that we're still talking about this in this day and age everyone should have the right to sports they talk about inclusivity but when it comes to Muslim women we seem to be the other person we seem to be um, on the sidelines um, not having not being involved in those discussions not having an opinion we seem to be the uneducated people in this in the conversation and that, and it really does um, make me angry I suppose because nobody seems to reach out to us to ask us what our opinions are of course. they're making decisions these men or women 
who yes. have no understanding of Islam, no understanding of our culture, and why the hijab is so significant in our religion. Um, they have, they don't even want to understand it. So, yes. you know, things like that. Um, to talk about this in this day and age, when everything else has seemed to have moved on, and we're still talking about the hijab in sports, but even the way Muslim women dress in society as well is still a talking point. Yes. When we talk about freedom of rights and things, it just feel, feels so backwards and so controversial. Definitely. You know, and a really interesting point just came into my mind that, uh, you know, uh, Sikhs, they allowed a head covering, right? But, yeah. uh, you know, that that's not, there's, there's no ban on that. But they seem to want to ban Muslim women wearing a hijab. Yeah, so there's, there's there are some controversial aspects with it, the turban as well. Yes. So not all sports accept the turban as, uh, for the same reasons, for religious purposes, yes. especially in France. So France is, is quite nuanced in, and, and different, I suppose, because of their secularism. Yes. Um, mm. And I think that's why, because the Olympics is in Paris, that secularism has come into play. Um, but religion as, is totally different. Mm. Um, you know, religious needs and understanding those religious needs is not something that the French society understands. Mm. They want everyone to be um, sort of non-identified for their religious purposes, but identified as a French citizen. Um and that's where the controversy starts because they've always wanted to do that and they're not willing to change their attitude about it, mm. even though their own society and communities is now so diverse. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I just wanted to ask about that because, you know, um, a lot of Muslims are in France, I believe. Wouldn't that affect their Olympics with this stance that they've taken? Yeah, I mean, the French Muslims are finding it really difficult to live there. Yeah. That's why we're seeing so many move out of France because they're, they're being almost persecuted on the streets for wearing a hijab or wearing an abaya or mm. having a beard or wearing a phobe. You know, they can't... They talk about freedom... That's what I'm saying. They talk about freedom of speech, mm. yet Muslims can't dress how they want to dress for exactly. their religious purposes. So it's a controversy. It doesn't make sense. Um, you can't have what freedom of speech... But then restrict people on what they're wearing. Mm. Uh, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Definitely. Could you could you share your story story on uh, how you have pursued uh, sports? You know, in in your life with our listeners, please. Um, yes. Yeah, so I always played sports. I have two older brothers. I grew up in Scotland, and sports for me was part of everyday life. It wasn't restricted by my parents. I I played football. I was very good at athletics. Um, netball and hockey and all those sorts of things and then when I moved to, down to London I went to an all-girls school and sports wasn't such a big thing but we had the opportunity to do a lot of variety of sports the head teacher was really really good um, and but we wasn't playing football and football was a huge passion of mine so I approached one of my teachers to ask him if we could do um, lunchtime sessions for football Okay. And he was kind enough to do that, and then we went to the league. But after school, that was when my sports had to stop because there was no sort of safe space, like safe space for me to be playing sports where I could wear my hijab um, and where I felt comfortable. So after many years, after I got married, had my kids, I was still missing that sports um, activity. I didn't like the gym, but it was very lonely. You have to self-motivate. Whereas yes. the team sports, you're motivating each other. And you get that high when you're playing and you score goals. And, you know, you get that sort of rush of feeling where you've achieved something. So I thought other Muslim women must be feeling the same way. So I started um, looking for a football coach. I couldn't find a female football coach. I found a female basketball coach. So we started with basketball. 
Um, and then we found that more and more women were starting to ask me whether I'll do other sports such as badminton, such as football. And now, Alhamdulillah, with MSA, Muslim Sports Association, we have uh, 15 different sports a week. We also do sort of um, book, uh, online book um, coursework um, where we talk about Islamic books. We also do positive mind workshops where we talk about Islam and positive health and mindset um, and re- relate it back to Islam. So it's now become a holistic charity where we talk about mind, body and soul and how you look after that, encompass that in everyday life. Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> uh, in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, we also have like an auxiliary organization which is set up for just women. And they get together, they have their annual sports days, they, they, they work out, they have different competitions from football to volleyball to basketball. Um, how important do you think it is for like families, um, you know, especially in the Asian background, to encourage their women for, um, to pursue in sports? It's really important because it's not just the achievement for the individual, it's an achievement for the family. I mean, we, have, we participate in the Dragon Boat Race um, here in Ilford and um, annually we started that in 2018 so with our foundation and there was only five women's team and now along the last year I think there was 10 or 12 teams and you know the atmosphere is so good and we have uh, families come down cheering on their wives and their sisters and their daughters and they're so proud because they see them in a different light um, a different passion Mm-hmm. And that's really good because the whole family comes together. They get to see what they're achieving um, and how they're achieving it. And I think that's really, it's always positive to see people in a happy place mm-hmm. and achieving something. And that then affects the whole family going down. So the children, you know, these, these uh, mothers become role models for their daughters as well. Mm-hmm. And that's really important, I think, because we, we're often seen by the media as vulnerable, meek women who, you know, have no say, have, have no voice. Whereas in sports, you can you know, smash those barriers, you can smash those stereotypes and change those narratives. We're in charge of our stories and it's really important that we tell our stories. Definitely, most definitely. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and sharing your story with us as well. It's been a pleasure to have you on. For now, take care. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was uh, you know really interesting the the foundation they she has started mm-hmm. um, for you know uh, Muslim women yeah. to take part in sports as well the the Muslim Sports Association. Yeah. Um, as you were discussing as well, you know uh, about the Legendary Maila, uh, mm. the scheme that was started by the Promised Reformer, the Second Caliph of the MD Muslim Community. May Allah be pleased with him uh, for you know Muslim women to come together. Yeah. And uh, ha- have their all their activities, all their events, just yeah. just the uh, you know, with with women. Yeah. Right. Essentially, it's just women power, basically. Yeah. Right. It's, it's it's in the MD Muslim community, and they do hold their own events. They do. I believe. I believe supports. they have more events than even the men nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Especially in our sports yeah. halls. No, definitely. They have definitely. a lot of. Um, um, so you know, it's, as Islam promotes, you know, uh, having um, the, there is a narration of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the Al Mu'minu Kawiyun, right? Exactly. That the strong believer is basically the best believer, yeah. better than a weak believer, Be- better than a better than a weak believer. So, uh, and that means you have to be physically fit exactly. as well. So it's um, especially you know in our South Asian uh, communities, <coughs> the food that we eat, <laughs> the oil, very that we consume. very oily <laughs> food. 
that we do eat and then you know we're just at home obviously you know the, um, our women they do a lot of chores around the house yeah. as well which does um you know can't keep them fit or if they do have a job as well that that, yeah. that can keep them motivated and um depends on the job mm. as well they can yeah. keep fit that way as well but the food that we consume yeah. to burn that off yeah. you you need to do some physical some sort of physical activity right yeah and more more than once a week is <laughs> needs definitely, to burn definitely. off definitely and one of the topics that we were discussing uh, f- uh, i think um, last year mm-hmm. was that how diabetes is very prevalent in uh, you know our south yeah, asian yeah, exactly, culture exactly. and that is be- m- probably most likely because of the Due food, to the that, food we, yeah, yeah, yeah. that we consume yeah yeah and um, yeah and you do need to you know eat healthily as well as the uh, holy quran has instructed us as well that you know kulu washrabu wala tusrifu that eat and drink but do not exceed, exceed yeah. its bounds have, have a balanced right? have diet. a balanced diet and it, it affects our spirituality as well isn't that's it that's how we were speaking about um you know islam being the perfect religion before mm. the show started and how its teachings you know coincide with everything that's going mm. on especially in today's day and age as well and everything that will ha- occur as well in the it, future it, most definitely most the quran definitely. will have some sort of answer for it so uh, getting back to the topic at hand that christianity also prescribes the observance of headscarves which is why the first lady michelle obama when she was the first lady uh, covered her head when meeting the pope mm. And you know there there's many you know like you're allowed to wear a, a headscarf you know you see you're going out on the street yeah, some yeah, women exactly. they just they just have a, a co- covering on their head exactly that's allowed exactly like, yes, like even if it's a loose covering that's allowed or you're uh, men are allowed to wear baseball caps or uh, you know mm. as I was referring to the Sikh community mm. as well mm. where they wear their turban mm-hmm. uh, but you know that's even in France that's there's a controversy about that as well mm. but. Um, There's just many different double standards, and it's very blatant that you can see what's going on, especially in today's day and age, where everything is, you know, very inclusive. Everyone yeah. is getting included, but then it is very, uh, it's very backwards. Yeah, yeah the thinking, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. The approach. Yeah. In chapter twenty-four of the Holy Quran, God tells both men and women to restrain their eyes from ogling at members of the opposite sex mm-hmm. and to guard their private parts. Specific to women in this chapter in verse thirty-two, which instructs women to disclose not their beauty, except that which is apparent thereof, and that they draw their head coverings over their bosoms. The thing is, it's very interesting that the Quran has mentioned that for women, for men, yes, it has mentioned before yes. the women that yes. you should lower your gaze. Yes, so that's our hijab for them. Exactly. So if we do that first, if we act according to what the Quran has told us. Then there won't be any need exactly. of all this um, but the violence. Thing, the, both things coincide, right? <coughs> if if the second part of the verse wasn't there, then you know it would be difficult for a man to control his gaze as well. Yeah, no, it is. It is exactly. difficult. That's why Quran exactly. has also mentioned that. Exactly. That our fir- we have but both things men. go bo- hand yeah, in hand. Exactly. But as you mentioned, the first step is for the man to man, lower his man gaze. Man to lower his gaze. If we That's lower, the, if we yeah, lower exactly. the gaze and women also complies with what God has instructed, exactly. that's when we will have a peaceful society. Exactly. Because there won't be any 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 um, doubt left of uh, any sort of violence or any mm. sort of hindrance. Hmm. In 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 the way of uh, God then because we we've, we've listened to all the commands hmm. that God has laid out for us hmm. and now because we've listened to him that's why we will get a peaceful society exactly and you know um the teaching here is that you know for example if um you do you know dress in a pro- provocative way mm-hmm. right of course you know you um there's something called like victim blaming basically what people refer to that you know you're blaming the victim for what they've done Um 
But if you do dress in a pro- provocative way and you're walking around, right? Yeah. And there's there's men around you as well, and they 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 they're gonna throw comments. Exactly. Right. They shouldn't. It's they wrong. They shouldn't. But then after after the women, they stand up and they say, "Oh, I, you know, I was catcalled, or people were calling me names, or people were trying to, you know, um, flirt with me, yeah. or whatever." Um, but they they still carry on dressing the way they are dressing. Mm-hmm. That's where Quran has laid out. In, um, information for every exactly. single person exactly but behave this way hmm. well when behave this way that's when everything will exactly. go right otherwise everything will go left it's not Islam's just not a religion it's a way of life it's a way of life it's our nature exactly it's the way we should be living exactly exactly it's maybe we've lost it in in, in, in between yeah. the way the world has moved hmm. but it's the I way we're supposed is, to live this is you know there was another narration where the <laughs> Where faith, but from the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, narrated that faith will go to the star of Pleiades, yeah. and it will be brought back by the promised Messiah peace be upon him, who has come, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Qadiani, peace be upon him, right, the promised Messiah of the Ahmadi Muslim community who has come to bring down faith, right, yeah. and uh, be the reformer of the age. Because the, because at a time when the promised Messiah will come, yes, the teachings. Will have vanished. The exactly. true teachings. The true teachings. Of and Islam. he will come. Obviously, the teachings and will be you know, there. Yes, yes. And sorry, he will. And he will. He will inculcate the exactly. true teachings. And the uh, the Holy Prophet has, you know, drawn a full picture, a vivid picture of the state of Islam that it will exactly. be in. And you, he's used very harsh words in mm. different narrations of yeah. the state that Islam will be in. Yeah. Um, that's why you know the promised Messiah is needed. Is needed, right? And. Uh, and, and this is the perfect time for him to come. Exactly. There'll be a state of confusion. Yes. Nobody will know what's right, what's wrong yes. in Islam. But he will come, he'll yes. be the Hakam, yes. who will say, no, this is right yes. and this is wrong. Yes. Because but he would have received that. In the, uh, accordance to the teachings of the uh, Holy Prophet, Prophet, Holy Prophet exactly. of Islam exactly. and uh, uh, Allah the Almighty. Exactly. He is not a, a law bearing Prophet. He no. has not come with a new Sharia. He has come with, to just to, you know, implement and just to. Reiterate the exactly. teachings that are already there. He he also mentions that you know the only reason I got this status yes. is because of my love for the Holy Prophet. Yes. and this is mentioned in the Holy Quran in a verse as well that you know if uh, you can attain the status of prophethood yeah. through doing these th- this yeah, act yeah, exactly. Right? But you know, people, there are still doubts. But we can discuss this, you know, maybe in another topic. This is a very lengthy topic. It's a, it's a very lengthy topic that we can get into. So getting back to the topic at hand. Um, you know, there is no law in Islam that punishes a woman for not wearing a veil. And according to Islamic law, a man has no jurisdiction in forcing a woman to wear a veil or hijab. He can, if he has some authority over a woman as a husband or father or a brother, admonish her or, you know, request. And in the case of a father, require it of his daughter. Mm-hmm. But absolutely no right actively forcing a woman to adopt a hijab. Exactly. How women is- are strongly advised to um, you know, veil themselves and to appropriate to mm. maintain their honor and dignity. And, and you know how that's we, the main reason. Yeah, you know how we were discussing how um, Islam is a way of life. Yes. It's part of our nature. Even this, this, this what you just mentioned, yes. right? It, you don't have to be a Muslim to realize that you will want your wife or your daughter to go outside of dress course, modestly. Of course, you know that's you, a natural instinct that you, a person has. If you've ever watched any movie, right? Uh, and you see, there's a father in there, and uh, you know his daughter's going out, yeah, exactly. not dressed appropriately. They, they get told off. Yeah, they, they get told literally. to dress properly. Yeah, exactly. Because because you know this is the nature of man, mm-hmm. right? That he might 
uh, you know, get, go down the wrong path mm. if you see something like exactly. that. Exactly. Right? So you have to protect yourselves. Exactly. You, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to be a Muslim to realize exactly. that this is what, how, and how we are supposed to live. Most if you see your wife, your daughter going outside, right? You would want them to dress modestly. You of wouldn't course. want others or strangers looking at them, of course. Because and you know, naturally, you know that's how a person. And is, right? Islam teaches, you know, uh, what you want for yourself, you should want that for your brother. Exactly. So if you exactly. want that for yourself, why would you want that for anyone else's, <coughs> you know, wife, uh, mother, or sister? Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So, dear listeners, we are coming up to the eight o'clock news. We will be taking a very short break and then we will be carrying on discussing this topic at hand. The majestic, the one who is above any evil, defect and deficiency due to his greatness and grandeur. All praise is due to Allah to whom belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth and his is all praise in the hereafter Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful welcome back to the breakfast show day listener we were discussing about the 2024 France Olympics and the hijab ban for French athletes and in regards to that we do have a brief audio clip of um, the fourth uh, caliph of the MD Muslim community Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed may Allah have mercy on him so let's listen to that one you see, in the Holy Quran, all that is said is that the Muslim ladies should draw their cover, head covers, pull the head covers also across their faces. Not faces, I'm sorry, across their breasts. The word face is not used there. Now, the interpretation varies regarding the meaning of how the covers are to be pulled. Some people say the head should be covered and the large part of the face should remain visible and the rest of the chadar or the sheet they they vary should be brought from here like this and put hanging on the front. So that would create a decent uh, dress, sort of, which would discourage the wanton eyes and say, look here, we are not available. You were honest, chaste ladies. So the message will be delivered and they will not find any problem. Some say, no, it should be drawn like this, from in front. Now, if it is to be drawn like this in front, although I know many MD scholars whom I deeply respect, have also taken this stance. But somehow I cannot bring myself up to full acceptance of this. Because, no, no, because it is not only face, the face they have to cover, according to this verse. They have to draw it full length down to their navels, for instance. How would that woman look like and how would she be able to negotiate herself in day-to-day life, if she has covered the whole length of like this, you know, like this. It leaves no room for normal activities for any lady. So, so that is why I prefer 
the, the, that meaning that it should be drawn across your breast, but also it sh should cover a little bit of, of the chin as well, maybe. This is the interpretation also of Hazrat Masih as reported from his writings in uh, Islamic Sulki philosophy, the teachings of Islam. Now this, at, despite this, I prefer those Pakistani MD ladies who have been using Pakistani style of veil, not a drawn, lengthily drawn head cover down to their knees or something, but uh, a sort of easy, comfortable arrangement of covering their face like this and down, down the lower part of the veil should be pulled across like this so they can freely move about with eyes uh, in the open. I prefer them as yet to continue with that because it is not only a question of interpretation, it's also a question of social problems. Always when the two generations meet, the transition from the habits of one generation to another is a very critical decision to make. If suddenly I tell all the MD ladies to throw away their, 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 their head cover, the veils and covers, and uh, only cover this like that I have explained, the message delivered to their future generation would be, we are free to do whatever you like. And they themselves would become suddenly very lax in their normal behavior. So it is a psychological problem and a social problem which I am facing. So I am gradually, slowly, cautiously bringing the ladies to a custom of very strict observation, to a more lax observation which is in line with the Quran and not against the Quran. Right. The other emphasis also has its roots in the Holy Quran. Because regarding the wise of the Holy Prophet particularly, the parda we find described is far more strict. So their honor and dignity requires that they should not be available to the common sight. So that is why they did observe parda far more strictly. And it was perhaps handed down from them, which resulted in various types of head covers, you know, strict and less strict and so on. So we have to find a via media wisely, which does not endanger the new generation from following an over-free, adopting an over-free attitude. What about the makeup? Pan? What about the makeup? Men? No, no. What about the makeup? Make oh, yes. Make that, that's very important. Yeah. There I have been always very consistent and very firm in my repeated reminders to the ladies that if they are lax in covering their face, they are only permitted it if they do not make up when they go out. That's right. Because on this, the Holy Quran is very specific. Quran. That do not make up, do not adorn yourself when you walk out in public. Right. You see, do not show your zina. That's right. It also covers that's that. That's in the Quran. Yes, that's right. That's right. So there I, I, I advise Ahmadis, all right, if you're professionals, you have to adopt a, a comparatively lax attitude of Parda, go ahead and do it. Yeah. 
but don't make up don't make an effort to attack people to your beauty not only to your beauty but to sin. beauty added upon beauty it's a sin right it's a sin no, according to the quran it is violation of the quran so it is a sin of sort of course yeah. so then i point out to a strange uh, contradiction between this teaching and the practices we have learned from western style of life most of the makeup used today is built or made in america or hollywood or here and there you know they are following the fashion as dictated in the most modern um, style of life of the hollywood girls in in women etc the point is simply this if you go out so beautifully adorned and well made up and you do not cover yourself you play havoc with the peace of every tom dick and harry <laughs> you are not cheap we know but you appear as if you were cheap you are not cheap but you appear as if you are available while you are not available so it is not at all a reflection on your chastity that i am referring to some beautiful words there by the fourth caliph of the MDU Muslim community that you know you are not cheap or available but it is as if you are you appear that you are cheap or available mm-hmm. right you, yeah. the, our muslim women especially you know we consider them as um you know precious precious gems right exactly. yeah, and you or you don't want to put your precious gems on display yeah exactly right Um, you don't want to like sh- show about them. The thing you know, is, there, there's this thing that everything that is precious and pure yes. and valuable yes. is hidden. Exactly. exactly. You know, you see pearls exactly. that are pearls, treasure. Yeah, at anything, the bottom of exactly. the ocean. Exactly. You have to do a lot of hard work to get to them. Exactly. So that's how Islam hmm. considers women to be pearls, and women um, are the most valuable. Uh, people for our society. We do have another brief audio clip uh, in regards to this and then we will be wrapping up this topic and then moving on to our next topic of the morning. So this is to that one. Canadian Muslim women have launched an awareness campaign to help those outside their faith better understand Muslim women's identity. The campaign is called Je suis Hajibi and it's a chance for women to try on a hijab. Kim Smith has more on what's happening with this event downtown. Aaron since about 9 o'clock this morning 15 women have come by to try on the hijab. The event is being put on by the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association as a way to open dialogue with other Canadians and to explain what the head covering symbolizes. Hijab is is a symbol for Muslim women. It's very precious and we would like to share it with all Canadians everywhere, women around the world to show that we respect women. We believe in the empowerment of women and we want women to uh, to experience this. The women who have tried on the hijab say they feel comfortable and beautiful wearing it. Their photos are being uploaded to social media with a message of how they felt. Living in Canada, I feel like that we're all part of everybody's culture. So like something like this to try it is just to show that we're open to say, you know, like this is okay. The women who try on the hijab are encouraged to take it with them and some say they'll continue to wear it for comfort and as a sign of respect. The event continues all afternoon at the University of Alberta. Kim Smith, CTV News. <clears throat> so, uh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to the show. 
So, you know, that was a brief audio clip of, um, uh, you know, um, can, uh, back in the 2015, a Canadian Muslim woman from the MD Muslim Jamaat who have uh, launched an awareness campaign, campaign to help those outside of faith to better understand Muslim women's identity. Mm. So we will now swiftly be moving on to our second segment of the morning. Uh, where we will be discussing negotiations to end the Gaza war have not progressed as Rafah prepares for an Israeli attack. As calls mount for Israel to postpone its planned attack on the southern end of the uh, uh, enclave, where over a million Palestinians are currently displaced, negotiations between the US, Egypt, Israel and Qatar have, uh, you know, uh, on, on the potential Gaza truce have ended without a resolution. Yeah. Um, what is currently happening in Rafah? Currently, more than a million Palestinians have been displaced in Rafah. Israeli forces are planning a ground assault on the 64 square kilometers area of the southmost city of Rafah. And Israel, pre- <coughs> Israel previously declared the city a safe zone. The population has grown exponentially due to relentless bombardment of Gaza and northern areas. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? They've, yes. They've declared this as a safe zone. Exactly. As in, you know, when the first initial... Yes, they said, you know, go the, go from the south yeah. to the north because the south is where the most the Hamas tunnels and Hamas... No, no, they said from the north to go uh, to the sorry, south. Sorry, uh, yeah. uh, apologies. Go from the north to the, the south, south yeah. because, um, you know, that's where everything was. Yeah, all right, the all Hamas, of Hamas territories. territories. Yeah. But now they've started bombing, um, you know... Where the, but, but, but the thing is, even when they were mentioning that go from the north to the south, yes. the bombings didn't stop. In the, the south, didn't, yes, they, they were they still there. Were still airstrikes in mm. Rafah, mm. which is in the south. Yes, and as the uh, the Palestinians were moving from the north to the south, yes, on that road, that th- there's only one road, main yeah. road that goes yeah. from the north to the south. Those that were moving because they were they had been told by the Israelis, they were bombed, on 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 the way. Yes, to the south. Mm. So mm. I don't know what <laughs> kind of plan they are um, trying to. Um, displaced, but mm. that's it. Looks like that they are trying to corner the Palestinian population to one zone, which is the south of uh, Gaza. And now you see, you see, there's there's more than more than um, more than a million Palestinians yes. in Rafah. Yes, in tents. Yes, it's like a tent. Tent, it's, it's tent, a tent city, city now. It's a te- yeah. Many live in tents and makeshift uh, shelters with no food. Due to threats of ground assault by Israel, hundreds of displaced families are fleeing. However, although Rafah borders Egypt, um, Cairo yeah. has stated they will not take refugees. Yeah. Aid agencies have said that um, the displaced do not have anywhere safe to go. Mm-hmm. A spokesperson of um, um, UNRWA, uh, UNRWA yeah. uh, the UN uh, Palestine Refugee Agency, has stated, Where are you going to evacuate people to? As no say no place is safe across the Gaza Strip, the north is shattered, riddled with unexplode, unexploded weapons. It's pretty much unlivable. Yeah. The UN has warned that the planned ground invasion could lead to a slaughter. Despite this, no plans have been made to evacuate citizens. Exactly, and you know there's um, where you know these Israeli marches happen as well. Uh, they they have Israeli marches as well, right? Yeah, uh, and there's like people blatantly. Holding up signs saying "kill them all." Yeah, no, that, that's that's what I don't, I can't get my head around. And they just have this ideology as if 
you know, they're essentially the Gazans. They're not even human beings. Mm-hmm. They're they're being treated like animals. Yeah, the thing is, you see, you see, the leaders are in Israel uh, making these kind of comments. Yes, again and again, saying that they are animals. They're trying to dehumanize Palestinians so that the public could see them in a different light. That's what we see from from their leaders. There, there's countless of speeches that they've made where they have said. Uh, we don't consider them to be humans. Yes. They are they are human animals, yes. and 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 things like that. And exactly. N- and this, this is not just an average person living in Israel. Exactly. This is the this leaders. Is a politician. This is the politician. Exactly. This is the, those that make the rules of the mm. country, the ruling class. Mm. Mm. So if they have this thought process, yes. then obviously they're going to commit the acts that they are committing right now. Definitely, Definitely. in Palestine. <clears throat> and. Um, and you see, and you see, they're, they're, they're starving right now. Yes. There, there was a news out, um, I think it was yesterday, hmm. that the first two-year-old baby has been killed hmm. due to starvation because there is no food. Hmm. So there was a picture of her before yes. the October 7th attacks and after. And literally, she was a healthy baby, beautiful baby. Hmm. And now, after, because due to starvation... You could see the cheekbones. You could see you could see the malnourished state that she was in, and due to that, she has, may Allah, may Allah has have passed mercy, away. Mercy on all of them, and may Allah, you know, grant them a place in paradise. Right? Yeah. That's that's all, um, you know, essentially what we can do from here as well. But you know, we implore the ruling powers to, you know, so show some sort of justice, show some mercy, because right now, you know, it's very it's very blatant what is happening, very clear. You know, His Holiness, the current head of the MD Muslim community, um, Hazrat Mizam Masood Ahmed, has also said that for as long as world leaders do not courageously strive for a ceasefire, they are invariably responsible for taking the world towards destruction. Yeah, exactly. Because they are the ruling they, class. They, exactly, exactly. We we are not the decision makers. We are just, uh, you know, the... But of course, you know, we do have the power... Within us, the people do have the power to stand up, to stand as up. there are, you know, peaceful justice, protests yeah. are happening, mm-hmm. you know, so hopefully, you know, they... But, you know, on one hand, you have the public saying that they want a ceasefire, they want yes. a ceasefire, they are crying out for mm. it. And then when uh, a vote happens, yes, <laughs> that same mm. country where the majority of the public is saying, no, exactly. we should have a ceasefire, the vote goes against it. The government you votes know, the against it. The veto power is, I think it's a very... Either it should be limited, right? You can only use it once. Yeah, it's just it's just a funny or it's, yeah, it's just a very rule that they have that power. even if the, all of the countries get together, but exactly. because of the veto, you might as well just ask: Is anyone going to veto before doing even exactly. the vote? Right? And why are you going exactly. to? Why, exactly. why are you going to hold a meeting, <laughs> yeah. spend so much money calling everyone yeah. together when you know mm. at the end of the day the veto power is going to veto? Exactly, it's exactly. going to veto it. Um, how was South Africa involved in this, and what did they do? <clears throat> South Africa brought the case of genocide in Palestine to the International Court of Justice, the ICJ. And as a result, they examined the case and ordered Israel to take measures to prevent their troops from committing genocide against Palestinians. South Africa has also said that they asked the ICJ to consider whether Israel's recent attack on Rafah would require more measures to ensure the safety of Palestinian rights. But, um, you know, nothing. nothing's really been done, you know. Uh- yeah, as in South Africa did bring the case, yes. and, and and they presented it in very in, in a, a very, very good, good in way. a very good way in a very good light, but still no action is being taken. The thing is, ICJ did um, lay out some laws yeah. that were supposed to be followed mm. by Israel, as yes. in humanitarian aid. They yes. said must start immediately, mm. Mm. and since then, where's the humanitarian aid? Exactly, there's no humanitarian aid. Exactly, Jordan has to; they are forced to airdrop. Yes, their aid. 
So if they are not complying with the ICJ, mm. then who will they comply to? Who will they listen to? Definitely. And, <clears throat> you know, because of this, Lebanon has also been affected. Yeah, there Lebanon. have been uh, hostilities across, you know, it's just affecting the whole region. There have been hostilities across the Israel-Lebanon border for the past four months. Israel has been carrying out raids in southern Lebanon and recently killed 10 civilians and three Hezbollah fighters. Five of the 10 civilians were children. Yeah, that's the thing. So they are big. They, they are. Um, so where is the Hamas over there? Exactly. Where Where is the Hamas in the West Bank? Hmm. People are still dying in the West Bank. As in, these are the, these are the, questions. The um, occupation. Yeah. Right. These are the questions that need to be answered, but there is no answer for them. Mm. It's just that they have this agenda that they need yeah. to fulfill, and they don't have any um, limit to Definitely. fulfill it. A researcher from Human Rights Watch um, in Beirut office says that several human rights organizations have reported Israel has conducted unlawful strikes in Lebanon, including through both apparently indiscriminate and deliberate attacks on civilians amounting to war crimes. The current talks between the US, Egypt and Israel, uh, you know, they they still uh, are trying for a truce, but there's there's been no resolution. Mm. And, um, you know... uh, Will attack, attacking Rafah help Israel achieve anything? Do you think so? What, what will it help them Nothing. achieve? They, they, what, want, they say they will eradicate the thing is they, Hamas, they, but... Um, there are pictures and there's, there's uh, some uh, um, news going around that Egypt is preparing a buffer zone, hmm. which is basically a place where these Palestinians, if they had to evacuate from Gaza, yeah. they will uh, be available. Well, this buffer zone is made for hmm. them. So mm. if they were to evacuate, if they were, if Israel was to attack Rafah, yes. then Egypt will take them in, in that buffer zone. Mm. But on the other hand, Egypt is saying, no, we would not take we the not Palestinians any, in. Yeah. So, which, which they, they can say because, and Palestinians also don't want to leave. It's mm. their land. Why exactly. They are being exactly. forced to leave, exactly. that means. Yeah. And Israel keeps saying that they are not trying to displace the Palestinians. Mm. But... That's what it's looking like. Exactly. From the north, they have moved all the, all of them to the south. Even even the president Biden, you know, he's urged Israel to refrain from a rough offensive yeah. without a viable plan to protect civilians. But then on the other hand, Netanyahu is saying that yeah. they will go ahead with yeah. the Rafah attack. Exactly. But the, why why were they told to go there and then when it is a safe zone? Exactly. Uh, that, 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 exactly. These are the questions that need to be answered, the, but there, there are no answers. Exactly. For it. There's no answers, and it's very apparent, very clear yeah. that what is happening is, you know, it's complete injustice. Exactly. And when these journalists, these uh, um, Israeli um, leaders hmm. are asked on um, asked these questions on the news outlets, they have no answer. They, they they refrain from answering these kind of questions. They just go off topic and start talking about some other thing that they weren't even asked. Definitely. So Definitely. these questions, I'm not sure when they will get the answer. You know, what we uh, the first thing we always do is we condemn what happened on seventh of October, right? But that's of of course, you know, it was very a tragic attack. What happened? But mm-hmm. since then, like everywhere, you know, you you uh, that you look in the, on the news and you know these some people they're holding their podcasts and stuff. They're like Hamas this, Hamas that. You know, what about Hamas? What mm. about the mm. civilians? What about the, the mainstream uh, hostages? media? Yeah, the mainstream media. But look at how many people have died. Over 30,000. Over 30,000. Over 30,000 exactly. and over 10,000 were children. Exactly. More than, yeah, more than 10,000 children. I don't think there's ever been a genocide yeah. that's been documented this mm. heavily. I mean, these figures were compared to 
you know what um hitler yeah hitler exactly, did with exactly, the uh, exactly. um, the yeah. nazis what i think did. this is exceeded to, to, this to, is exceeded yeah, yeah to to the jews for the children that have been killed in this exactly uh, i don't think the numbers have ever exceeded to that amount for the children it's, it's just it's just I mean, the world leaders just, just need to come it's such a such a tragedy Yeah, <clears throat> and now they they have also mentioned that you know, in the holy month of Ramadan as it's yes. um, approaching. Yes, they will not allow people into the Al Aqsa Mosque. Al Aqsa Mosque. And also, they said that they will, <coughs> they will attack during Ramadan. That's what they've mentioned. There were some headlines I was reading. They mm. said that in the month of Ramadan, mm. it's most likely this Rafa attack will take place. And you know, if this and and the month of Ramadan is where you're supposed to have no. a violence mm. you're not even supposed to utter yes. a word yes. which is foul exactly and, and if someone says anything to you or you know it hits you you're supposed to say so i am fasting i am fasting just say salam just yes. so don't respond say yes. i'm fasting i don't want to engage in this talk exactly. but then when you have these atrocities being committed in that month of ramadan it's just a violation of i mean it's literally there they will be lambs for slaughter exactly they can't defend themselves they they can't defend themselves now yeah they never the been able ramadan, to defend themselves this is their holy month right yeah and i think it says disp- uh, no words for it no yeah. words for it no words can describe the thing is what, what happened in october 7th they said that they have the right to defend themselves right yeah. and now it's completely disproportionate exactly exactly And then the figures that they said yeah. that they they were, decreased. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> they initially said fourteen hundred people yeah. died. Then after two three weeks, yeah. they said no, we the numbers were wrong. It was twelve yeah. hundred. Yeah. Then after a couple of weeks after that, they said oh it was six uh, hundred. Yeah. And some of them were were killed because of the Israeli army. Exactly. So where is the where is the truth? Mm. Where is the how can you rely on something that? <laughs> these people are saying i mean and you just have to even if you look at the history right just look at the history because this didn't start on october the 7th exactly before that even before that you know there's many people who have many uh journalists many you know um if you look at the history they, yeah yeah they they've stated they were living in an open air prison exactly but yeah. we had a caller last week exactly who basically takes these uh, um takes people from from um european countries yes to um israel Yes. Just so they can see how the Palestinians are living, and what kind of apartheid state they were living. He was saying it's literally apartheid. Said, and mm. when once we take these people for these visits, these yes. trips, they come back and in a different light. Yes. They see the world in a different way because they see what's going on over there. So it didn't just start in October seventh. Mm. Obviously, before October seventh, um, they were just trying to defend themselves yes. from this mm. state. So people are trying to. They, they've. They, this has come to light in front of everyone after the October seventh. But this history has started since nineteen forty-eight. Yes. When once um, when the, the Palestinians the, the happened. Yes. Yeah. When the Palestinians allowed the refugees exactly into the country. You must have on seen good faith. E- exactly. You must have seen when no European country yes would take them. Would take them. There was there But was there were ships exactly. that went to the. I believe it was the um, Haifa. Yes. Port. Yes. And they said that everyone disowned us. Please, don't do the same. Yes. And then these Palestinians, these Muslims, yes. of, of they opened their arms. They opened their arms. They let them into their exactly. house. Because that is what we are taught in Islam, right? Exactly. To help thy fellow brethren. Exactly. Help anyone in help need. Help anyone in need. Like for yourself, what you like for your brother. Yes. Uh, we do have a uh, guest with us. For this topic, 
who is uh, Mr. Tamim Abu Dakar, is uh, an Ahmadi Muslim scholar, a theologian, an imam, an author, a lecturer, and also a poet. And he has been a very active member of the Jamaat. Um, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show, Mr. Tamim Abu Dakar. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure of uh, having you. Um, just a question that I wanted to ask was, what are the consequences of not progressing peace talks for Palestine? Uh, first of all, uh, actually, peace is very important for Palestine and in everywhere. But unfortunately, actually, mm-hmm. uh, Israel is not willing for peace. And it is very clear, yeah. uh, especially uh, in this uh, new government, not a new government, I mean, the government of Benjamin Netanyahu. Benjamin Netanyahu, since he came uh, to uh, be a prime minister, actually he's the longest prime minister in the history of Israel. He came in very different, uh, in many periods, but now for a very long time, he's the prime minister. Mm-hmm. He uh, clearly... Uh, announced uh, that uh, he is going to do his best not to have the two states solution mm. and not to have a Palestinian state uh, west to the Jordan River, mm. which means uh, in uh, historical Palestine. Uh, so, if you are uh, asking about the peace talks in general, Israel is thinking to ethnic um, uh, cleanse the Palestinians outside Palestine and establish one state, which is the Jewish state of uh, Israel. Mm. Uh, this is, this is, I mean, in general, regarding the uh, uh, the mentality now of the far uh, right uh, government of Israel. But if you meant about the peace talks, which means uh, uh, to cease fire now, mm-hmm. uh, it is a different issue. Uh, for uh, a long time, as you know, and everybody in the world know. Uh, Gaza was besieged by the Israelis since uh, 2006, almost, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was completely controlled. Everything is controlled, I mean, uh, regarding food, water, uh, electricity. And immediately after October the 7th, they declared that we are going to cut everything and uh, we will deal with them as human animals. Yeah. Uh, it is maybe a shocking uh, announcements for uh, the Israelis, uh, the, the Israelis officials, but it's not shocking if uh, the people uh, were just following what are the Israelis uh, are announcing since um, ages. Mm-hmm. Um, in nineteen, uh, uh, in nineteen ninety, almost at the beginning of the nineties, uh, in the last centuries, the century. Mm-hmm. The Israelis started to think to solve to solve this problem and to give some uh, kind of uh, oxygen to Israel to live for some time because uh, the establishment of Israel actually is not ready for uh, having a long uh, or or stable state because Israel was built originally uh, on the methodology of uh, ethnic cleansing of Palestinians and uh, genocide as Mm. much as they can to Mm. drive them out of historical Palestine. Mm. But after 1948, actually, they managed, by the way, at that time to 
drive out many of the Palestinians mm. uh, from uh, historical Palestine, but two pieces were uh, not uh, occupied by Israel, which, which are named uh, now as West Bank and Gaza. Mm. Uh, and uh, in general, if you look at uh, the population of the Palestinians, in West Bank and Gaza and inside what is called now Israel, mm. uh, the Palestinians are uh, a little bit bigger in number. Uh, they outnumber the Israelis, uh, or I mean the Jewish, in, yeah. uh, in historical Palestine. Mm. So they know that uh, this is not going to, uh, to, to give, or let's say, if we want any natural state, Mm. then it will be uh, dangerous uh, for Israel. Because mm. immediately, if it will become just one state, one democratic state, then the next day, the prime minister and the, 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 the government will be Palestinian government. Uh, and uh, the Palestinians will rule mm. uh, historical Palestine. Mm. So for them, actually, they wanted to uh, have the two-state solution, but they, uh, they were not even... Uh, willing to have this uh, two-state solution. They just wanted to start a very long-term peace process. And through this peace process, the Palestinians, they might uh, have uh, some territories which are under the Palestinian mm. control, but uh, the uh, Israel should control everything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after time, after having all of this time, uh, the Palestinians found themselves uh, uh, the, in uh, a very big disaster, and the Israelis actually they found themselves in uh, a problem regarding their uh, mentality. Mm. Yep. Uh, so what they are now trying to do, which which should be clear for everybody, mm. they wanted actually to uh, uh, commit genocide against the Palestinians as much as they, they can, and mm. they want to ethnic cleanse Gaza. Mm. Uh, because for them, it, this is a big problem uh, for uh, Israel to uh, survive and to stay mm. as a Jewish state. And before that, you know, they, they have started the apartheid system, which is actually eventually uh, makes uh, the, uh, uh, the Jewish prefer over the Palestinians. And uh, uh, this system, which means they are not able and ready to have uh, peace with Palestinians and they look at them as a problem uh, should be removed. As you mentioned that, um, you know, they're trying to establish an Israeli state. That's why they're trying to ethnic cleanse the people in Gaza. Um, what's stopping them if they, for example, if they do do take Gaza, what's stopping them from expanding their territory? Do you think they could even expand the territory in Egypt, in Lebanon, for example? They, they, they're committing uh, airstrikes in Lebanon as well. Yes, actually, at the time being, at the time being, what they are looking, uh, they are looking to establish one state in uh, historical Palestine. But their long term, or maybe their dream, their biggest dream, is to have the Greater Israel. Yeah. Greater Israel, according to, to, to the Torah, uh, it is including uh, not only Lebanon and uh, big part of Syria and big part of Iraq and big part of uh, the northern part of Saudi Arabia and uh, also uh, Sinai, Sinai mm -hmm. in Egypt mm -hmm. and reaching also to the Nile River, which mm -hmm. is also a big part of, of Egypt.
but uh, these things actually they are they they know uh, the politicians uh, we can say the 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 the, the wise politicians of Israel mm-hmm. after some time they discover this is it, not, it is not possible mm-hmm. uh, but uh, now uh, in the far right uh, government of Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, his uh, mad people mm-hmm. like uh, Ben Fear and uh, the other one, which is Smodrich, mm-hmm. they are now concentrating on uh, establishing um, Israel on historical Palestine. But I think for them also, they have this dream in their mind, mm-hmm. and they think this is the first step now. Mm-hmm. The first step is to uh, to have uh, this state, uh, in, uh, uh, which is the pure Jewish state on uh, historical Palestine, but mm-hmm. then they will look uh, at other places. For Lebanon and Syria, mm-hmm. they are not uh, bombing Lebanon and Syria because they want to expand right now. Mm-hmm. They uh, bomb them because uh, in Lebanon uh, there is Hezbollah, which is a big militant uh, group, a resistant group against Israel. Yeah. And it is supported by Iran, uh, and it has good uh, uh, weaponry. Mm-hmm. They are well armed, and they have uh, missiles now. As uh, the head of Hezbollah, he said, our uh, rockets can reach all of uh, Palestine, uh, all of Israel, mm-hmm. uh, from the north to the to the far uh, uh, south. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they 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 uh, bombed Lebanon uh, because uh, Hezbollah, after uh, the seventh of October, uh, they started uh, to have some you can say uh, limited uh, uh, compact with Israel to relieve the uh, uh, Gaza Front mm-hmm. or to give them some support to Gaza Front. But in general, you know, Israel started since uh, maybe 20 years, and at least after the uh, Arab Spring in Syria, when the government of Syria became very weak, they are keeping striking Syria and Lebanon from time to time. And also for Gaza. For Gaza, actually, it is uh, very uh, continually, uh, they were attacking Gaza, over and over, and if somebody is following the this, uh, I mean history, this uh, close history, they will discover that Israel started war against Gaza, mm. uh, big strikes mm. uh, in 2008 and 9 and before 2006, yeah. almost, and 11, 12, uh, uh, 14, it was a very big uh, mm. campaign, mm. and uh, 20, uh, 20, 21 also, mm. 2022. So it is, you know, it is a continual yeah. process of Israel assault against Palestinians and against uh, the Arab states near to Palestine. And you know, all the all the <coughs> attacks they are committing on um, Gaza and Lebanon, and it's, it's it's as if they are trying to provoke a war. What effect do you think this will have on the world? You mean for the Israelis, they, they want to provoke a war? Yeah. Well, as in, actually, for for. Oh, yes. Go on. Yes. Please, uh, please, please, uh, please clarify. As in, as in, you know, they are, they are, they are um, committing airstrikes on Lebanon and then on Gaza. Then also, they are committing these these attacks on West Bank. Do you think they are trying to provoke? 
them to retaliate? Uh, for uh, the Israelis, I don't think so. Actually, they think the uh, Arab world is helpless and they are going just uh, to attack uh, these places to make them much weaker and weaker mm. and to warn them. Uh, and uh, because for, for, for the advantage of Israel now, Israel is not ready to, have, to start uh, war. Uh, but uh, they think they have all the means and they have all the support uh, from the United States and the West, mm -hmm. and they can do whatever they would like. Mm -hmm. So for them, they want to attack, but they, they are not willing to have uh, uh, or to provoke uh, a greater war. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are just playing with fire, them and the United States. The United States, you know, at the beginning of uh, this crisis, they sent... Uh, the uh, um, their marine uh, to the and uh, their navy uh, to to the area just to warn the other countries or other militant groups if they uh, may contribute in this uh, crisis. Mm. And you know what has happened now? Uh, what's what's have been happening in uh, Yemen? In Yemen, actually, they said we are not going to allow the Israeli uh, uh, ships or any ships who are going to Israel because of the, uh, the siege uh, on Gaza and because of uh, the uh, uh, genocide which is committed now in Gaza. Mm -hmm. uh, so for them, actually, maybe things might go out of uh, their uh, maybe... Uh, out of uh, of their calculations, because they think, yes, uh, actually, the other play, the, in, in, in other Arab world, there might be some problems, but they can be controlled by the Americans or by the Israelis. Mm -hmm. But uh, they don't know that <laughs> these things actually can't be controlled, and it might drive the whole country, uh, the whole uh, region, and the whole world into a big disaster and a big war. And uh, you know the um, fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be his helper, he mentioned that, uh, you know, UN um, cannot uh, is not playing a part in bringing justice in this war, in these uh, atrocities that are being committed. Um, would, you, would you have anything to say regarding the UN playing a part and um, not having any effect? Yes, unfortunately, as the Khalifa al the fifth, uh, may Allah be his help, uh, mentioned. Uh, it is, by the way, I believe, and uh, it is very clear for everybody, that the UN, if it's uh, representing the whole world, mm -hmm. it, it had said its word against uh, what's, what's going on. For uh, the, uh, uh, the General Assembly of uh, the United Nations, everybody, Mm -hmm. is declaring that Israel uh, had committed uh, this crime and should end the occupation of the Palestinian territories. But the problem comes from the Security Council, which is under the uh, control of the Americans and the five states, you know, who are the uh, permanent uh, uh, members of the Security Council. So the, the system of the United Nations make it incapable uh, um, to, to, to stop uh, these conflicts or to help even in the humanitarian aid. Uh, so, uh, I mean, in general, 
if you look at the the people when they vote for, uh, for example, for resolutions to cease the fire, mm-hmm. and the Security Council or and the General Assembly, you will find the whole world is on one side, mm-hmm. and uh, America, the United States, and some Western countries like. Uh, uh, UK sometimes and some other nations mm-hmm. in one side and the whole world on the other side. Yeah. And this is actually is making the United Nations to be uh, useless. Yeah. And they should understand the United Nations should be respected because mm-hmm. it is the body for the, should be the body uh, for keeping peace yeah. uh, on the world. And uh, they are just uh, uh, corrupting the whole uh, uh, this organization and mm. make it uh, very useless. Mm. And you know, you're part of, uh, you're from that part of the Middle East. And um, would you have any um, personal stories if you have been affected in any sort from this war? Yes, actually, in our region, uh, we are families. Uh, in Jordan, especially in Jordan and Palestine. Jordan and Palestine is almost, uh, they are the same. Uh, people yeah. and uh, I have relatives there. Even my sister, uh, she got married there in Gaza to some of uh, our uh, to, to to a family there, mm-hmm. and I have some uh, cousins there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, maybe by the beginning of the war, I think um, by maybe 16th or 17th of October, uh, her house was completely destroyed uh, mm. by Israeli uh, strike. And, you know, uh, their uh, area, it was a civilian area. And, all, you know, for for the, the bombardments of the Israelis, actually, they, we should understand that Israel targeted from its assault to make Gaza not, uh, uh, not be a place for living, mm-hmm. which means... The people, they cannot live in Gaza. So yeah. they destroyed the houses by carpet bombing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they destroy also the all of uh, the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they destroyed everything to make it, to, to drive the people out of Gaza, to mm-hmm. make them feel that uh, we cannot live here anymore. So we have to, to seek uh, for refuge uh, in uh, the neighboring countries. Uh, so, uh, for for my uh, from my personal side, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and this uh, war, I lost from my family, my close relatives, almost uh, at least maybe uh, 30, mm-hmm. uh, 30 martyrs, and uh, from the wider family, <laughs> we cannot count. There are maybe exceeded 100, and much more even, because wow. we cannot count. So it is really. You know, from also personal level, mm-hmm. it is a very, uh, you can say, disastrous mm-hmm. uh, time for us. In 1914, uh, sorry, in 2014 also, mm-hmm. there was a, a big campaign against Gaza, and we lost at that time 30, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 30 mm-hmm. martyrs. That's, so that's it, is, uh, it became very normal in Gaza to mm-hmm. have uh, these such huge casualties mm-hmm. and civilians. That's very sad to hear regarding your family may... God give you strength and your family strength to bear, bear this. Um, just for one last question, how would you say um, the whole world can help Palestine in this difficult time? Uh, they can, they, they should understand actually 
we cannot live in a peaceful world if there are uh, injustices committed against any any uh, people in the world, against any uh, state or any um, uh, any territory in the world. Yeah. But unfortunately, actually, the worst, uh, mainly United States, they speak about uh, their national security in a very uh, very strange way. They think uh, having problems, having problems supporting uh, the injustice in some uh, areas, that would help in their social uh, security. While it won't help in the social security of any nation, and it won't help and the social security uh, and these uh, i mean the the whole security of uh, of the world uh, any national security or any uh, country security or the whole world security mm-hmm. if uh, the, we are committing injustice and supporting injustice in any place of the world mm-hmm. uh, islam subhanallah and the holy quran allah said allah is uh, asking you uh, to uh, to uh, com- uh, to implement justice and to implement uh, ihsan which is charity and to deal with the people like they are your close relatives as your tenders yeah. and uh, these are the main uh, roots uh, for all of the teachings of islam which means you have to seek justice first of all and to establish justice and to help to have justice for everybody and not be limited even to justice, but also you should give them more through charity and uh, make them prosper and make uh, uh, make them uh, to live a peaceful life yeah. and not to deal with them because of your vested interests or because of uh, uh, your, uh, your your sort of um, uh, sort of any kind of uh, um, maybe. You know, if, for example, if they are, if they are your uh, a part of, of your bigger nations, or if you if they are relatives of, or if they are allies, yeah. you should do that uh, out of any sort of vested interest. And if you de- do this, then you'll be a Muslim. And if you become a Muslim, that means you will be uh, a, a peace-loving uh, and monger in in the world which means you're you're going to establish peace and you'll help to establish peace and after we have this after we have justice and we have charity and we have pure charity Mm -hmm. then we can establish peace and security in the world but for them they think maybe we can establish peace through destroying (laughs) the uh, our claimed enemies or Mm -hmm. our enemies or Mm -hmm. our adversaries Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And by this, actually, they are not going to, to establish that because the world turns and uh, the weak people someday became empowered. And this uh, will drive the whole world in a cycle of uh, violence which has not ended. Mm-hmm. So somebody should end this cycle through establishing peace and give peace through the justice to yep. your enemies. That's, that's And they, they don't understand this. That's rightly well very well said thank you for joining us mr tamim it was very valuable information that you gave to us and our listeners thank you for joining us
that was a very you know eye-opening enlightening uh, interview that we did have with Mr. Fahim Abu Dhabka. Yeah, and he ended on a very good point that Quran um, uh, demands for us to uphold complete complete justice and only Definitely. with justice the world can prevail and um, survive. We do have a brief audio clip of His Holiness, the current head of the Amdimism community, Hazrat Mr. Masroon Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, so let's listen to that one. Over the past few days, hundreds of Israelis and Palestinians, including women, children and the elderly, have been killed or injured as a result of senseless violence and bloodshed. The killing or harming of innocent civilians is a direct violation of the teachings of the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings be upon him, who taught that even in a state of warfare, no woman, child or elder should be targeted or harmed in any way, nor should any religious leader or place of worship be attacked. We pray and urge for an immediate end to hostilities and for peace to prevail so that no more lives are lost. For that, it is necessary that the channels of communication between relevant parties and nations remain open. Until a ceasefire occurs, any military action taken must ensure that civilians do not come to any harm. Furthermore, Muslim countries within the region should unite in an effort to establish peace and to ensure that the rights of those innocent Palestinian people who have no link with extremists are protected. We urge the United States and other influential nations to abstain from any actions or statements that may further inflame the volatile situation. Instead, alongside the relevant international organizations, they should make every possible effort to urgently de-escalate the conflict and secure peace as soon as possible. Justice and equity are of paramount importance in achieving lasting and sustainable peace. Thus, all the major powers must focus on establishing long-term and sustainable peace based upon the principles of fairness and true justice. So, dear listeners, we do hope that you have enjoyed today's show. It has been a pleasure, as always, to present uh, you know, the teachings of Islam here at The Voice of Islam. You know, I would just like to wrap up this topic um, by, you know, the, what um, the Holy Quran, you know, teaches us about peace and harmony. Uh, the Holy Quran, you know, it teaches us that, you know, we should be peaceful, we should harmonize with one another and to always serve mankind. True worship is that um, which saves people from wrongdoing, mischief and evil and liberates mankind from the clutches of Im- immorality and sin. True worship is the gateway to God's favor, compassion and love. When a Muslim meets anyone, the first thing he says is "Assalamu alaikum," which means may God's peace and security be upon you. It is a prayer invoking all types of peace and harmony. So once again, I'd just like to pray that may Allah Almighty bring peace to the land of Palestine and uh, free the Palestinians and hopefully there is a ceasefire and uh, they can you know get some sort of um, you know peaceful resolution and may Allah the Almighty be with them and their loved ones and um, you know grant the people who have uh, lost their lives grant them a place in paradise in Jannah so for now uh, dear listeners I would just like to thank you know of course thank our technical department as well for helping us out our producer Technical Department, uh, Brother Akib, uh, Akib Ahmed, and our tech, um, our producer Hanya, and uh, Naima Chaudhary, Kashfa, and our researchers Kashfa, Sara, Razia Chaudhary, and Hanan, and of course my fellow presenter, Brother Halim Ahmed. For now, please take care. Have a good morning.
peace be upon you and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah